When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. My name, of course, is still Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChuFits, and here it is, the final First Pitch Podcast of the season. I will still start it out with injuries and transactions. Spencer Strider was able to throw from flat ground without issue which suggests he may be able to come back at some point during the playoffs. Jeremy Pena's x-rays came back clean, so there's a very good chance he'll be available for the Astros when they play next. Dustin May and Blake Trinan will throw to live through to live batters yesterday, and one or both should be available at some point after the Dodgers take the stage for the postseason. Glaber Torres missed Wednesday's finale with an illness, but should be good to go going forward. The Padres placed Mike Clevenger on the 15-day IL due to an illness, He's likely headed to the bullpen for the playoffs anyway when he's eligible, and I wouldn't expect, of course, to see him in the wildcard round. Jared Kelenic did not play yesterday due to some lingering effects from being hit by a pitch on Tuesday, though he should be available for the postseason. They just wanted to make sure he was good to go. Jesse Winker, on the other hand, will likely miss the entire postseason for the Mariners due to a neck injury he suffered. Tyler O'Neill is likely to be left off the roster for the wildcard series for the Cardinals as he nurses his injured hamstring back to health. And then the Rays placed Colin Poche on the 15-day IL with an oblique injury, though if the Rays could afford an injury somewhere, it was probably to their bullpen. On the hitting performances from yesterday, in a doubleheader, Gabriel Moreno, rookie catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, went 4-for-8 with a home run, 4-run scored, 3-RBI, and a walk. It was the first home run of Moreno's career. It comes on the last day of his inaugural campaign. And what we've seen from Moreno this season is really more or less what was advertised. He's a slap hitting catcher who can hit 300, and he's actually quite athletic, though the power's a bit of a question mark, as Moreno had just four home runs in 87 games across AAA and the major leagues. Moreno's an interesting prospect in two catcher leagues, especially if he gets a full-time job, and there is a chance that happens with Alejandro Kirk really sputtering throughout the second half. J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox, or at least for now, went two for three with two home runs, two runs scored, and four RBI. The pair of home runs, though, only gets J.D. to 16 on the season, though five of those did come in September and October. He had a surprisingly and particularly ugly summer, though, and it will be interesting to see which team scoops up the 35-year-old for 2023. It's worth noting, though, that J.D. did not play a single game in the outfield, so for fantasy purposes, he will be D.H. only next season. Franmil Reyes of the Cubs, he went three for five with a home run, two runs scored, and three RBI. The streaky power hitter ends the season on a high note, though his 261 slugging through September and October is really hard to get excited about. It's getting more and more difficult to just see how a team lets Fran Mill get enough at-bats to get to 30 home runs again. And with only 15 games in the outfield, many fantasy managers would be stuck with him as a utility-only hitter outside of Yahoo Leagues. He really just doesn't need to be rostered or drafted outside of NL-only leagues. That includes keepers and even most dynasties. There's just not a lot here. Mitch Hanniger of the Mariners went 2-for-3 with a home run, two runs scored, and a walk. Hanniger's really stepped it up in the final 15 games of this season, sweating four home runs and hitting 298, 379, 544 over that stretch. The Mariners really need his bat to make a run in the playoffs, so it's great to see Hanniger finally shaking off that rust. 
He's a free agent in 2023, so the playoffs could have a big impact on how many opportunities on um, how many opportunities he has to be a starting outfielder somewhere in 2023. Vinny Pasquantino of the Royals went two for four with a home run, and I really disrespected Vinny P in my most recent hitter list because this guy should absolutely be a top 50 hitter, if not top 40. He ends his rookie season with more walks and strikeouts and a 137 WRC plus. And even during Vinny P's struggles, the plate discipline remained exceptionally strong. The power did fade a bit when he returned from the IL. Though, Pasquantino's 361 batting average and 449 OBP in 23 games after he returned has me confident that he will find that power again in no time. Look for him to make a big jump in my two early top 200 hitting rankings, which will actually come out on October 19th. So mark your calendar. Luis Arias went one for one with a double two run scored and two walks. And congratulations to Luis Arias for battling and fighting through an injury to secure his batting title. Arias has one of the best hit tools in the game and is a contender for the AL batting batting title every season, though you shouldn't expect more than a handful of home runs and steals. He actually had a bit of a power outburst, still only got to eight, so really it's going to be under 10 for home runs and steals, but the batting average will always be top notch. Ezekiel Tovar of the Colorado Rockies went one for three with a home run. Look, the numbers are ugly for the top Rockies prospect, though it's worth noting that he only got three games in Coors this season and then went through one of the toughest schedules over the final week, going on the road against the Dodgers and the Giants. Tavar may start the season in AAA in 2023, as he only played five games at that level, but Tavar's power and speed is worth keeping an eye on, and if he's going to be a starter, he'll definitely be worth drafting. Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks went one for four, but that one was a home run. Carroll's one of, if not the best prospect in baseball, and his 32-game debut went exceedingly well as he hit four home runs and got two steals with a 260 batting average. Look, Luck's really been on Carroll's side in a pretty big way, according to StatCast, but I think his tools and ability will carry through and ensure his stats don't really suffer even as the luck runs out. And then Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, one for two with a home run. That's 28 home runs, 25 stolen bases, excellent counting stats, and a 284 batting average. Good Lord. JD looks a lot like a first round pick in 2023 as he closes 22 as the seventh best fantasy outfielder. There will be some talk about how he started running less towards the end of the season, but I don't really think it matters in the sense that he will be a first round pick either way. On the starting pitching side, you know I got to talk about Shohei Otani. He went against the A's. He actually gets the loss, but it was five innings pitched, one earned run, just one hit allowed, one walk, and six strikeouts, 13 whiffs, 69 pitches to get through those five innings. A full season of Showtime is good for everyone, baseball, you, me, everybody. He's the first player to officially qualify for postseason awards as both a hitter and a pitcher, and is a top 10 guy on both sides. So what else can be said? He's my MVP. He's many people's MVP. No disrespect to Aaron Judge, of course, but Shohei Otani is doing things that nobody has ever done before. Framber Valdez of the Astros went against the Phillies. He got the win on five innings pitch, no earned runs, two hits, one walk, and 10 strikeouts on 88 pitches, 201.1 innings and a 282 ERA with nearly a strikeout in innings solidifies Valdez as a top 30 pitcher in my mind, though he's only the third best fantasy pitchers and fantasy pitcher for the Astros rotation in 2022. Yowza. Merrill Kelly of the Diamondbacks went against the Brewers. He got a no decision on six innings pitched, one run, four hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, 16 whiffs though on 83 pitches. Kelly's an incredibly challenging pitcher to rank for 2023 as the stuff is underwhelming, but the results were excellent. If I only looked at the arsenal, I'd say he's a Toby at best, but Kelly's veteran wiles may keep him playing up just a bit. I'm not keeping him in most keeper leagues I've got, and the fact that Kelly turns 34 in about a week makes him even tougher to deal with in Dynasty if you're not going to be a contender in 2023. Clayton Kershaw, speaking of older guys, he went against those Rockies. He got the win on five innings pitch, one earned run, one hit, one walk, and nine strikeouts, 72 pitches. 
It was a tune-up against the Road Rockies, and it keeps his ERA at a sparkling 228 for the regular season. Despite only throwing 126.1 innings, Kershaw finishes a top 30 starter. The innings risk is always an issue, but until Kershaw retires, which it sounds like he's going to play again next season, he's a solid top 40 or better fantasy option at pitching next season. And then Aaron Savale of the Cleveland Guardians went against the Royals. He got the win. Six innings pitched, two earned runs, five hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts, 17 whiffs, 84 pitches. The cutter and curve combo struck again for Savale. His stuff is much better than that 492 ERA suggests. A better measure of his skill, I think, is what he did in the final 10 starts of the year. One of them was only one innings, but it was a 3.00 ERA, and Savale could be an excellent later round pick next season, especially in quality start. I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back. I'm going to cover the relief pitching performances from yesterday. Gregory Soto ends the season on a sour note, picking up a loss in his second straight appearance, though he finishes the season with 30 saves and a 3.28 ERA, despite walking over five batters per nine innings. Look, Soto's a bit volatile, but he should be locked in as the closer for the Tigers unless or until he's traded, which is perhaps slightly more likely as he is ARB eligible for 2023. Ryan Presley picked up his 33rd save of the season, and in 17 appearances from August to the end of the season... He had 27 strikeouts in 16.1 innings with 12 saves. Presley's locked in as the Astros' closer, and even though he's going to be 34 next season, I think he's a solid pick in all formats as a top-tier closer. For the next two to three seasons, at least his contract runs quite a bit longer. Matt Moore has been a pleasant surprise for the Rangers as he picks up a save on back-to-back days and ends his season with a 1.95 ERA over 74 innings as a middle reliever. Matt Moore's career has been a roller coaster, so it's great to see him show what made him an exciting prospect, albeit over a decade ago. He's a free agent in 2023, so deep league managers should really pay attention to where Matt Moore ends up. He could be a closer somewhere, but more realistically, especially in AL or NL only leagues, whichever one he lands in, he is a very interesting guy due to the talent he showed this season in those 74 innings. And with that, the First Pitch Podcast team signs off until the 2023 season. Thank you all so much for your support this year. We hope you guys found this podcast helpful. Please reach out to any of us, myself, Chad Young, Daniel Port, Kevin Hastings, or even the First Pitch Podcast itself via Twitter or reviews to let us know what you think of the show and what we could do better for the future. Or heck, tell us how you did this season. We love hearing from you. You can still catch me over the off season on the Hacks and Jacks podcast, which has been on hiatus for the last few weeks due to some real life stuff, but we'll be back soon. And of course, the Pitcherlist Discord will be bumping with baseball and fantasy football chatter all year long. And the Pitcherlist Podcast Network is going to be spitting out content every day during the off season. So take it easy out there, folks. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for listening. Again, my name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Thanks for everything. We'll talk to you again soon. 
This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.